Welcome into episode 14 of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here along with Chris Winningham. Thanks for finding us. Again, we're always on iTunes if you have Apple or Stitcher. Today we're going to tackle, no pun intended, a, uh, a topic here that's related to the NFL but also to the NBA. And Chris, you and I talk about this a lot. We used to do this on the radio show when we would argue about whether or not South Florida was a football town or a basketball town. I, I think that uh, that's an argument we can have for another day. But I, I guess the question that we wanted to tackle today was, is this becoming more of a basketball country than it used to be? And is the NBA, and we just saw the NBA play its its all-star game, which drew a lot of attention. They changed the format, a little bit more competitive this year. I know you're not a big fan of all-star games, but uh, but it did, <laughs> it did command some attention this weekend. But is the NBA gaining on the NFL? And if the NBA is gaining on the NFL, what are the reasons for that? Because I think it's a lot more varied than sometimes the public talks about. Yeah, and, and I think that people try to, frankly, use their own sensibilities, their own reasons why their behavior has changed as the overall reason the entire country is doing something. So I think these conversations can occasionally lack nuance, but there are some, some vital signs that are going on across America as to why things are happening and why the growth narrative for the NBA is so strong and for the NFL is so weak. Now, this may come off as an anti-NFL podcast in terms of you know what we're going to cover. We should start by saying you know the number one caveat is it is still chief sport. It is still drawing by far the biggest television audiences, obviously by virtue of the size of the stadium. They draw far bigger crowds, and the NBA still has a long way to go until they are at the level of the NFL. But in terms of if you're drawing a line graph of where the two sports are heading, you'd have to say that the NFL, based off of the last two seasons, is heading down and the NBA is heading up. And so I, I, I do think that there are some reasons why that is happening and we're going to tackle them here. Yeah, and one of the other reasons we wanted to cover this is because of a comment that Jerry West made this weekend at the NBA Legends Brunch. That's an annual event that the NBA holds where they honor a lot of the, the great NBA players who played for the city that is hosting the game. And here were Jerry West's comments. And, and again, this is sort of our takeoff point for this. He said, years ago when I came to the city of Los Angeles, we were nobody. Last page of two newspapers, had no writers, no coverage at all. And to see the way this game has changed and grown, and to see the strides that have been made for people who truly were able to contribute a different way is truly remarkable. You know, I'm going to say this. I don't like to say things that are controversial at all, but this game is going to overtake all the other sports. Look, Jerry West uh, obviously been around a long time. When he talks about coming to L.A., of course, he's talking about what that would be the 60s, right? That would be sort of the late 60s. So we're talking about half a century um, and so obviously there's been a lot of change in that time. But one of the other things, Chris, is and we're not really going to cover baseball very much in uh, in this podcast because we really want to focus more on the NFL because the NFL has become the number one sport over the past 25 years, is that at that time when Jerry West uh, went to Los Angeles, baseball was at that stage number one over even the NFL. So we've already seen that this can happen, that you can have a sport that is number one in terms of cultural consciousness and that sport can be passed by another sport, and that's why we wanted to to get into some of these issues as far as whether or not uh, the NBA can get past the NFL. So let's get to reason number one that the NBA is gaining on the NFL, and, and we wanted to start here because it is something we've talked about on other podcasts. But but I really want to sort of delve into this this topic here is that the NBA has done a much better job. It's not even close promoting its athletes and bringing out 
the personalities of its athletes, where the, the guys who are at the top of the game for the NBA are household names. Now, it is a little bit easier in the NBA, of course, for a couple of reasons. One is you've only got 15 players on a roster as opposed to 53, so there's fewer players to promote. You can have more effect as a single player on an NBA franchise than, than typically you can as a single player on an NFL franchise, I guess, unless you're the quarterback. That would be the only guy who can have that impact. Uh, in the NBA, players at all positions, uh, if you have the right guy, can make that difference in terms of being a franchise player. And, of course, NFL players wear helmets. NBA players do not, which makes them more recognizable. But even beyond that, the NBA has just been leaps and bounds ahead of the other sports, and I include baseball in that too, in terms of getting the fans to know their athletes, even if uh, a player is, say, from another country. We, you know, we've seen that the way that, that Americans have embraced guys like Dirk and Pau Gasol and Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, over the years. So you don't even have to be American for the NBA to be able to promote you and get you out to, to the fans and have fans wearing your jerseys. They've just done a, a much better job. And I think you had some numbers in terms of social media that play into this a little bit. Yeah, so I went and looked up. Uh, I was looking at it in terms of I saw an argument being had among some sports media people about social media power of NBA athletes versus NFL athletes. And so I went and looked up amongst the sports who have the most significant Twitter followings. And so there's a website that, that keeps track of this stuff. And so in the top 75, 37 are soccer players. That's not surprising but because it, it's a global game and social media is a global platform. But second is the NBA with 12. Then it was cricket with 10, and that's basically the entirety of the Indian national team because obviously there are a lot of people in India. And then you start to see smaller numbers. You have some, some boxing, some WWE, some UFC. And once you get through 75, there are zero NFL players. I think Russell Wilson is the highest in terms of number of followers on Twitter. Now, obviously, you know, you can go through their Facebook pages. I wasn't going to do that. But just using Twitter as kind of the sample, they have zero players in the top 75. And there are 12 at least current or ex-players like Shaq is in there and Kobe is in there. But for the most part, current NBA players that have reached the masses. And, and, you, and you mentioned sort of the scarcity of the ability for attention in the NFL, right? I don't think that's necessarily the case. Yes, they're wearing helmets, but theoretically, the quarterback being the face of the franchise in every market should have the ability to break through and have that popularity. You look at, for example, commercial campaigns. Who do they involve? I mean, they've involved Brian Arakpo in years previous. Clay Matthews is in every commercial just because he has long hair. I really think that these companies view the NFL as the biggest platform that exists in all of television, and yet the NFL still cannot get their personalities in front of those people because they have no personality. And that, for me, is the biggest difference between the NFL and the NBA is that it's not necessarily the mechanism, right? So you, you say, you know, you credit this to the NBA and to David Stern. For me, it is both the culture of the sport in the locker room, meaning that in the NFL, you are discouraged to have a personality. Right, you, you recall mm -hmm. Antonio Brown streaming a post-game locker room situation on Facebook Live, and that was the controversy of the week. That that wouldn't register in the NBA. So I think there is more of a willingness to embrace personality, and the individuals themselves have personalities. And so you look at you know what LeBron James did this past weekend. No NFL player would dare venture. I mean, Aaron Rodgers tiptoed near that territory and immediately received blowback. So I, I think that. 
in general, yes, the the NBA because of the fact that there are no you know helmets that you know they're just wearing sleeveless shirts and you're you're kind of they're they're there for you to see rather than in the NFL. I still think the cultures of the sport and the culture and, and the personalities of the individuals themselves are so dramatically different that that has helped the NBA. Yeah, no question about that. And, and you know, when we talk about NFL players, I mean, who should have the biggest platforms? It should be the quarterbacks. And that we, what we see is that the quarterbacks are often the most hesitant to speak out on anything, that, that they all sort of follow the same template in certain terms of the way that they talk. I mean, I remember covering you know Dan Marino's last uh, four seasons with the Dolphins and we used to joke that with every press conference that he had he would have one presser on a Wednesday you, you basically would just substitute in the team name from the week before and all of his quotes were exactly the same and I think if you look at a lot of the current quarterbacks you know that's the case with them also I mean think about the, the controversy now about Baker Mayfield right like he's coming into the pros and the big issue with him is is he too colorful is he too out there he doesn't sort of act like a quarterback in the NFL should act so there, there's been sort of a, a template that's been created here in terms of of what a quarterback should act like and that's basically a guy who just doesn't take any credit uh, doesn't stir anything up in any way. And, and those are the faces of your franchise. So when you have other players who speak out, that's a problem. And the media will build the mythology for them. That's the thing, right? So you look at, for example, Tom Brady doing this Tom versus Time Facebook show. Uh, people are like, oh, I don't know if I wanted this much access. Well, and the reason why is because you never had any access to Tom Brady. You know, the, the Boston press just built his mythology for him. You didn't need to know anything about him. And so, frankly, the reward structure for these guys is do nothing and they'll just build it up for you. Yeah, and, and, and again, you look at quarterbacks around the NFL right now. I mean, which of them uh, really stands out in terms of having a personality? I mean, I, It's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is the only that, one. That would be the one, and, and like you said, he's sort of backed away a little bit at times, and, and he's gotten criticism for being um, outspoken at times. You know, far, he got, you know, he at got times. criticized for having a celebrity girlfriend. <laughs> right. He got criticized for dating Olivia Munn. Like, people were making the argument that Olivia Munn was affecting his on-field performance. It's nonsense. Well, remember the Tony Romo situation, right? right. With, uh, when he went to Cabo, I guess that was during the, was that a bye week, I yeah, think it was. Yeah, it was a bye was. week before a playoff game, yeah. Um, and, and his relationship with Jessica Simpson and all the, you know, the negative attention that that got in the NBA that, you know, Carmelo Anthony's married to a celebrity. Uh, Dwayne Wade is married to a celebrity. Tristan Thompson's uh, in the Kardashians. <laughs> right. I'm not sure that's worked out very well for him <laughs> or, or the others who've, who've entered the Kardashian clan over the years. But yeah, I mean, look, in the NBA, it's just sort of accepted that these guys are celebrities in the NFL. They're just supposed to be a cog in a team. That's the way that it's perceived. And I also think this comes from the top because I think if you look at the way that the NBA treats its players as a way to the, as opposed to the way that the NFL treats its players that comes across very clearly that the NFL does not like its players very much yeah uh, every interaction that Roger Goodell or the owners has with the players seems to be negative and you know you don't even have to go to you know to Bob McNair's comment Houston Texans owner where he talks about you know what was it the inmates not running the prison right, right. where he got the he got the idiom wrong but that's how how NFL owners on the whole seem to feel, whether it's Dan Snyder or Jerry Jones or McNair and others. Whereas in the NBA, you know, when they had a situation like that in Donald Sterling, you know, they eradicated, you know, that virus uh, pretty quickly. And it was the players 
whose voices were heard, right? It was the players who stepped out and said, you know, this guy should not be one of the owners of an NBA, you know, an owner of an NBA franchise. You know, that was the tipping point when that, all that controversy played out. I guess it would have been, what, 2014. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, being in a locker room in Charlotte with the Heat the day that that all broke. You know, I remember the players gathering in the back uh, room and, and that deciding that, you know, they were going to have LeBron speak for them. And LeBron spoke, you know, very forcefully. And, and you, you know, you also saw Chris Paul and others uh, who did that. That's something that that NFL, that NBA players, you know, feel empowered because they feel like at least they'll be heard by their commissioner, by their board of governors. I don't believe that NFL players think that they'll be heard by uh, by the people in control. I think the big difference, if you're if you're trying to sort of boil that difference down into sort of one sentence, is the NBA views their players as people to be embraced. And the NFL abuse their players as people to be controlled. Now let's get to number two here, reasons that the NBA has been gaining on the NFL. And, and this reason speaks a little bit more to your generation than to mine, Chris. But this is about demographics. And specifically in, in this section, we wanted to cover age. And it's just clear that you know when you take a look at the 18 to 34 demographic, which is the one that advertisers are most interested in, for disposable income and in terms of growing the base of their product that the NBA is is making a lot of inroads on the NFL in terms of age. I mean, I you know, look, I saw this when I covered, you know, the two primary teams in South Florida, the Dolphins for a few years and then the Heat, that my audience in terms of my material was skewed much younger when I was covering the Heat than when I was covering the Dolphins, that you had a lot of people down here, you know, who were following the Dolphins who could remember the you know, the 72 and 73 teams. They were still clinging to that, whereas in the NBA, it was much more about the present, the past few years, because that's what the audience in terms of their youth related to. And I don't think that's specific just to South Florida, although obviously the, the differing fortunes of the Dolphins and Heat play into this. I think that's a nationwide trend. Look, the younger demographic is more interested in the NBA now than they've ever been, and I think less interested in the NFL. To me, the the, the, the biggest reason why young people are more attracted to the NBA is because the sport is built for social media and it's built for your phone. And I, and I really do think that in the era of cord cutting, of young people not really be interested in sitting down and watching television, or at least watching it differently than the way that previous generations did, because yeah, we'll sit down and watch Netflix for seven hours, but maybe we won't watch, you know, a network television show or a full three hour NBA broadcast or a three hour NFL broadcast. The sport has found ways to reach younger people in a way that the NFL just hasn't yet. Just even by virtue of letting their highlights be available on social media, the NFL has fought to try and control those rather than make them readily accessible to whoever wants to see them. I think the NBA has figured out a way through the technology, through the way that the way that consumption is changing to be on Instagram, to be on Twitter, to be on Facebook, to be on YouTube, to be everywhere where young people are. And ultimately, if we're talking about growth narrative, the only way that you grow is by bringing new people in. And usually those new consumers are new people that are coming on to money, a.k.a. the 18 to 34s that you mentioned. So those are the people that are getting into the NBA right now. And I don't know if the NFL, by virtue of not having young people participate very much anymore, just in terms of playing the game, you know, obviously the concussion conversation is going to come up at some point. One of the ways that it, that it reaches in is 
young people maybe aren't playing football as much anymore because of the concussions, and therefore they're playing more basketball, and so that association is translating into their adult age. And I think there are a variety of ways that the NBA is reaching into bringing new people into the tent that the NFL just isn't. I think if you look at, and again, if you look at the demographics here over the past few years, um, here's one I found. This is from five years ago, and I think, uh, Chris, this has probably become even more pronounced here uh, since then. So so these numbers are probably even low in terms of uh, the skewing towards the NBA among the younger demographic. But if you look at the NBA, according to this uh, this study by Opendoors.com, if you look at the NBA, they had uh, 45% of its fan base was from ages 2, which seems kind of young, 2 to 34, 45%, so under 35 years old. The NFL was 29% under 35 years old so that speaks to it and again i think that's become even more pronounced in recent years and and you know what's interesting is you and i've talked about this on a previous podcast is is the sport that's actually aligning most with the nba in terms of the younger demographic is mls it's not baseball it's and so you sort of have baseball in the nfl in one corner in terms of again older fans remember the good old days the crowd that was more reliant on uh, on newspapers and things like that whereas the NBA and MLS more in tune to social media and definitely, you know, skewing towards those two sports. So I think that's been a, a big, big difference here. And and I think, again, when we talk about our reason, number one plays into our reason, number two here, because people are young people in particular are attracted to personalities. You know, they want to yeah. get to know these guys. And in the NFL, you don't really feel like you know them. I mean, you know, you mentioned Brady. That's an interesting example there because, yeah, he does have this new platform that they've put out there. But what does the public know about Tom Brady other than he's married to Giselle? I mean, I I, I don't think people know very much about him. They sort of got a, a hint of his politics because he's, you know, he was supposedly friends with Trump. And then he sort of walked back from that a little bit when the kneeling controversy uh, got out there. But you know, you really don't know that very much about him, whereas compare that as sort of the number one, you know, athlete in that sport. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, 
Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Compare that to LeBron and or let's go down the list a little bit. I mean, it doesn't even have to be LeBron. It could be Russell Westbrook. It could be James Harden. It could be it could be Chris Paul. It could be any any of these guys. Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, a guy who's from right. Greece. From Greece, right. I mean, there's more of a relationship that's building between the younger fan base and him than there is with uh, with Tom Brady. Also, you know, I think the other thing on this on age, you mentioned uh, attention spans. And I think this does play into it, too, because, you know, if you're going to sit down and watch a game, I mean, an NFL game is still a three hour, 15 minute commitment. And it's basically blowing up your Sunday, <laughs> essentially, yeah. particularly if you um, want to go. And, well, if you want to go, it's more than a three hour, 15 minute. It's like an commitment. eight hour it's commitment. Close, it, Exactly. I mean, and, you know, with the tailgating, with the parking, with everything else, the NBA is, you know, at its most is two and a half hours, you know, two two fifteen to two thirty. It's at night where during the week where the younger demographic might be more prone to be home anyway, as opposed to giving up a Sunday that they might want to be out doing something else. So I think, again, that plays into it a little bit. And we've seen that, that even the, you know, the NBA has even gone to these Saturday night games, right, where, uh, you know, where this has become something where if you're out at a you know, a bar, or, you know, say you're 22 to 26 years old or in that in that demographic, you're out at a bar or club that night on a Saturday night. You look up at the television, there's probably going to be the NBA spotlight game of the week is on at that point. So it follows you everywhere. So I think for all of these reasons, in terms of youth, you can see where uh, where the game is picking, where basketball is picking up there, whereas football has leveled off a little bit. Yeah. And another data point to kind of emphasize this point, a Gallup did a study of what is your favorite sport to watch, asking things you know by demographic and such. The response amongst people 35 to 54 years old, 40% pick football. Amongst 18 to 34s, that number drops to 30%. And you know soccer picks up the pace in there. Soccer's actually level with basketball in this study at 11%. So that the number drops. You know the 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 younger that you go down, and I really do think it's just a sea change in the way that young people are consuming things. Where you don't even have to watch a game you can kind of find a youtube clip with the three minute highlights or you know the one highlight that everyone's you know retweeting or freaking out about or the one thing that that guy said did you do you see the thing that guy tweeted like i just think there's more ways to interact with the game and i think what well, we'll get to this later in terms of narrative in terms of transaction that that factors into this as well but i i just think that it connects in the social media age in a way that's better than what football does I want to get to reason number three here that the nba is gaining on the nfl and this is the most controversial of the reasons that we're going to get to here, but it's politics. And here's my theory on this, Chris. Um, you know, a lot of people have attributed the NFL's drop in ratings and in, in attendance and interest to the anthem protests in particular. And I've felt that that's been a little bit off for a lot of the reasons we've mentioned here on the podcast. I know there are people that have tuned it out as a result of, of the Anthem situation, the Kaepernick situation. No question about that. There, there is a contingent of, of people who've done that. With that being said, you know, you can attribute a lot of the ratings loss for the NFL to cord cutting. And the, the one that I, the, the, the comparison that I want to cite here before we kind of get into the comparison with the NBA is that if you take a look at what happened, say, to the Daytona 500 on Sunday and where their ratings are, 
you can't argue that the Daytona 500 <laughs> is a lefty organization, right? Yes. Uh, Donald Trump tweeted out on Sunday that the France family, which runs NASCAR, is a great family, and that you know he he wished all the drivers well in the race. Okay, th- again, this is uh, where think of the places that that NASCAR is typically popular. These are not heavily blue areas, right? I mean, th- there is no Kaepernick in NASCAR. It is the polar opposite to that in terms of. Uh, social protests. Okay, no question about it. And yet, the Daytona 500's overnight TV ratings were the worst in the race's history. Their rating was equal to what the Atlanta 500 would get 10 years ago. And this is the marquee, this is the Super Bowl of NASCAR, is the Daytona 500. So, it, it, to, to say that the NFL is, you know, ratings are going down, interest is going on simply be, because of these anthem protests is a ridiculous notion. Okay, and then, is, and then when you compare that up against the NBA, which you know their national broadcasts are up fifteen percent, their regional broadcasts are up nine percent year over year. So the NBA is going up while literally getting into fights with conservative pundits compared to NASCAR going down when you couldn't get you know further away from you know that, that those kinds of politics or even you know the, the the politics that you know someone like Laura Ingram is espousing would be well received in NASCAR that they're going way down it doesn't really strike the smell test in terms of politics being a major driver in the NFL's ratings decline correct but if you want to make the argument that politics has played a role in this and i'm okay with saying it's played a role because there clearly are people and you know you you, you look at these articles that are written all the time where you go back where CNN or Politico or any of these other media organizations goes back and interviews Trump voters to find out if they're still happy with Trump. And they, the, the, the subjects that they interview, the, the people that they interview, invariably mention the NFL protests, okay, and that they don't watch the NFL anymore. So clearly, as a cultural wedge issue, this does appeal to a certain demographic, and clearly it has played some role, some role in some people tuning out the NFL. And, and if you're going to make that argument that that's the case, here's why the NBA has a major advantage over the NFL. Because the person who has the handle MAGA Warrior on Twitter, okay, and is <laughs> call, calling LeBron illiterate while spelling five things wrong in their 280-character tweet, <laughs> and I, I saved a lot of these, so of course I, you did. I, I'm, I'm not just making this up, okay? That person wasn't watching the NBA anyway. No, they were but, not. But that, but that person was probably watching the NFL. Yeah. Again, based off the demographics. I mean, come back to this. Every study of demographics of the sports has shown that the NFL audience leans more conservative and Republican, whereas the NBA audience leans more liberal and Democrat. And so when NBA players speak out, they're not alienating their core audience. When they're NFL preaching to the choir. They're preaching to the choir, exactly. Okay, now there are some people who we're not, I don't want to make this a referendum on Trump or his voters or anything like that. It's more so looking at the NBA and the NFL and and saying in the NBA, like you said, when athletes speak out, they are primarily speaking to the choir, and not it's not just a race thing, but it's also an age thing that we got into in in our last reason because the the younger demographic tends to skew a little bit more liberal on these issues than the older demographics. So that's the thing. If you're watching Fox News religiously, you're probably not watching the NBA religiously, but you might have been watching the NFL religiously. The reality is, you know, we can talk about Kaepernick and and the flag and kneeling during the anthem, but NBA players were already doing plenty of things in terms of social justice and speaking out in that way before the Kaepernick thing even happened, right? I yeah. mean, 
go back to the, you know, a lot of players, and I, I was in Brooklyn the night that LeBron was there and Jarrett Jack organized the I Can't Breathe t-shirts after the uh, Eric Garner's death. Um, mm-hmm. I get yeah, the Trayvon Martin story. The Trayvon Martin. And going to the Trayvon Martin story, the Heatles, okay, the Miami Heat teams of, you know, the, the 2010 through 2014, I mean, that team took took a lot of stances publicly, okay, in terms of what it believed was social justice and didn't pay a price for, for that specifically. Um, and the Trayvon Martin thing you, you, you mentioned is a great example of that, where LeBron and Dwayne Wade organized a, a team photo when they went up to Chicago in a ballroom of all of them wearing, all the players on the team wearing hoodies to protest, you know, the killing of, of Trayvon Martin. And were there some people on Twitter that were irritated about that? Yes. Did that affect the NBA's popularity or that team's popularity in any dramatic way? I don't think it did. So I I think that's the big difference, whereas in the NFL, you know, what you see now is you see a lot of people who used to follow the NFL who say, I'm just going to follow college football now, where we know that college football's structure in terms of its power structure is much different, uh, you know, even, you know, than the NFL's is where the players have no <laughs> right to speak in any regard. And is, you know, it's basically just coaches who are making all the money and players who don't get anything but the scholarship. That power structure is, is even more um, – it's, it's even more unbalanced than the NFL's is, and that's where we see, you know, we see someone with a Twitter handle, MAGA Warrior, might go. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, it's actually a point I hadn't considered before. Not that necessarily, you know, the politics, one way or another, are either a negative or a positive, but that the NFL had more to lose by virtue of venturing into politics than the NBA because of their audience. And I, I think that's a point that's not brought up enough, is that, you know, to me, the NFL is a, mid, is, is a middle America sport. But the way that they've presented themselves, you know, by the, the military paying them to be involved and to make it, I, I really do think that the NFL, their marketing strategy is make the NFL as American as apple pie. Like that, I think that was their idea of what we're trying to do. We're trying to make the NFL part of American culture. And I think if, if you're basically having a, a group of players, and let's be honest, black players, mm-hmm. kneel before the American flag during games, that's going to have an impact on that very notion that you're trying to sell your audience. It's why I, I went to a Dolphins game this year against the Raiders. It was a Sunday night game, and I and it was kind of in the midst of the one of these stories flaring up again. And they had this halftime show that was literally a montage of like the cheesy songs a radio producer would play on the 4th of July, ironically celebrating Independence Day. Like living in America and <laughs> proud to be an American and born in the USA. This is like an 11 minute halftime show of like this flair show and all these like America, like the flag was on the digital ribbon board and they brought the flag out onto the field and it was just America. And I found it so gross. So patently, we're just trying to pander to our audience and present ourselves as a part of Americana, and they have to fight even harder and be less subtle about it now because of all the political stories that have happened. I, I, I just that that's what they try to do, and so anthem protests or going at the president of the United States is more likely to undercut that message for them than the NBA who trying to sell themselves in an entirely different fashion. So I, I kind of agree with you that the, the way that the leagues position themselves make their stances on politics different. 
Let's get to reason number four here, why the NBA is gaining on the NFL. And, and this ties in with a lot of things we've discussed already, although we spin it a little bit of a new direction, is that the NBA has a couple of things going for it that the NFL doesn't. And both, I, I think, play into the idea of, of the personalities of the athletes being more prominent. And one is that the NBA just has more narratives, more storylines, more soap opera, more situations like Durant and Westbrook or Kyrie and LeBron that, you know, or whether it's Charles Oakley, you know, fighting with James Dolan or whatever it Charles is. Charles Barkley calling somebody out on inside the NBA. Yeah, I mean, that sort of stuff happens, whereas nothing interesting is ever said on the NFL's pregame shows. The NBA's pregame, uh, premier pregame and, and, and postgame show and, and inside the NBA always says something that gets people's attention. Um, so there's just more in terms of narratives storylines in the NBA that people can grab onto that can carry the news cycle for a 24-hour period than there are in the NFL. In the NFL, it's basically about the build-up to the game and who's going to play and who's not going to play for my fantasy team. And then the game is played, and there's a little bit of talk about coaching decisions that were made during that game. Let's fire the offensive coordinator. And then pretty much Tuesday through Thursday are boring. Like, there's yeah. just... There's just nothing that's going on. I, I used to really struggle to promote game to, to sort of promote games on Sunday, like what to come up with to write from Tuesday through Thursday, because at that point you were just pivoting to the next game and you weren't there yet. I encountered that doing the pregame show for for the Dolphins this past year, where obviously from you know from a Dolphins point of view, even that minutia can kind of be interesting because it's your team, right? But if you're looking at, for example, I remember uh, I was getting ready for the Broncos game, and now the Broncos were in the middle of a seven game losing streak, and that was kind of like the big story that week but like the the kind of off the wall crazy story was that an in and out opened in denver and the maybe the Den the broncos players are going to go try in and out like that's not interesting <laughs> come on let's be honest and, and and you look at even for example right so the all-star game happens and even if it is the sideshow right so fergie is is on day two of making headlines for a rendition of the national anthem you have for example lou williams yesterday after jimmy butler took a dnp coach's decision in the game Lou Williams tweeted, really, bro? Like, and these are athletes getting into fights on social media. And everyone's like, well, hang on a second. It's because Jimmy Butler went out drinking the night before. He was injured and couldn't play in the game. Lou Williams really wanted an all-star position and didn't get one. What's going on there? And there's something to dissect. There's always something to dissect, whether it's a Blake Griffin trade to Detroit or something that somebody said on social media. The NBA all-star draft. Who got picked last? Let's try and figure out who got picked last. Oh, is LaMarcus Aldridge. Let's go to LaMarcus. Aldridge, LaMarcus Aldridge, what do you have to say about being picked last? Oh, well, I don't know. I guess I'm a boring player. Like, there's always something in that realm that's being talked about that's fodder for media, that's fodder for social media in particular, getting back to the young people discussion. There's always a conversation to be had around the NBA. And like you said, the NFL can get very monotonous in that regard. Oh, what's, what's the point spread going to be? Is the point spread involved in the outcome of the game? What terrible coaching decisions did the coach make? Oh, that quarterback really made a boneheaded decision on that throw. Because of the fact that there is no personality, getting back to that sort of number one point, that chief point, no one says anything interesting. No one is going is starting fights or anything. And when they do, it's so rare that like, oh, you know, what, what's going on between Michael Crabtree and Akeem Talib? This is interesting because it's so rare that let's grab onto these kind of you know once in a you know once in a season kinds of circumstances. It just doesn't happen enough. And and then you have the transactions too. J just the the nature of the sport and 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 the nature of the way that trades can be made. You just see more of them. 
And so, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, people get excited about the first day of NBA free agent uh, of NFL free agency, but the NBA just has these constant, nonstop transactions being made that are, you know, almost more exciting than the games themselves. Well, the NFL doesn't have a trade machine, right? I mean, right. there's no. I mean, the NBA trade machine has become this goldmine in terms of generating interest throughout the year because the fans can get involved and make their own deals. And the fans under here's the other thing about that: the fans understand the salary cap for the most part as a result of the trade machine in the NBA, whereas the NFL salary cap is a mystery to most fans. I mean, that that's what I found. It's very. I mean, you can't even figure out uh, in terms of the contracts because the contracts are not guaranteed. So, like, yep. even the contracts that are put out there are wrong because, you know, you say a guy signed a six-year, $120 million contract, but really all that matters in that is the guaranteed money. So even that, it's, it's impossible in the NFL, you know, with the exception of just comparing that guaranteed money to sort of assess whether a player is overpaid, uh, is being paid correctly, how he compares to others at his position. Whereas the NBA, it's pretty clear. Like, like uh, I mean, you know what every guy on the roster makes. Like, I mean, Heat fans are painfully aware right now of what Tyler Johnson is going to make <laughs> next year. Like, they, they know, right? They know what that the James Johnson contract is going to hurt them uh, down the years, but down down the road potentially. Whereas you look at NFL fans, you can restructure this guy. His contract's not going to be what they say it is now. It's very hard to figure out. Like, I mean, even let's go, you know, local again with the Dolphins. And you look at some of these Dolphin players, and there's a, there's a slew of Dolphin players where it's more expensive to cut them than it is to keep them. That's very difficult to explain and for fans to, you know, there's sort of the to fans to understand. Like in the NBA, you don't have that kind of issue. And, and like you said, the transactions are interesting to people throughout the entire year. I mean, it's, you know, you're talking about who, where people are going to go this summer now, like, and the season, I mean, just had the all-star break. People were talking not just about what well, LeBron's going to go this summer, but Paul George and others, everybody knows what the next free agent class is going to be, who the primary players are in it. People know who has the most cap space. Do people know in the NFL, like NFL fans generally know who has the most cap space? I guess maybe when it's talked about a lot, like, say, Cleveland situation right now or San Francisco situation. But for the most part, I mean, fans don't know because that cap space is always changing when other players are cut. So it's just harder to sort of get a handle on. And like you said, the first day of free agency is interesting to people when the players are taking their visits. But everybody knows that there will be another round of free agency when there are more cuts made right before training camp. So, you know, the NFL draft attracts incredible interest. But in terms of the transactions, yeah. uh, the NBA transactions are just they're just more interesting to people. I and, think. I, and I think the other thing, too, is, OK, so let's say your, your, your team has a need at linebacker, right? The, the, the Dolphins are always looking for, for linebackers. If I said to you, name another team's linebacker, how many are, how many are you get into? Like six? Five? Like, you know your team's stuff, but do you know the defensive tackle from the Washington professional football team that can help you out? I just don't think that, you know, for example, I remember like the, the year that the Dolphins went out and signed like Danell Ellerby and Philip Wheeler. They like made like six signings on one day and none of the players you'd ever heard of before and you're trying to talk yourselves into them. Whereas, you know, obviously there is more of a knowledge. And I think this is a, a theme that has existed across sports is the sports that are the most successful are the ones where you know just as much about the team near the bottom of the of the standings as you do the top 
And I think in baseball, that has totally disappeared. You only care about the Marlins, right? And I think in the NFL, it's starting to disappear a little bit. The only thing that you really know are the skill position players because you play fantasy football. You know, Madden helps in some regard because young people play Madden. And so you get to know, you know, entire teams a little bit. But, you know, the NBA right now has the lead in terms of knowing the entirety of the league, not just your team. All right, let's get to reason five that the NBA has been gaining on the NFL. And, you know, this is a big one, I I think. The, The NBA, unlike the NFL, doesn't have the big dark cloud issue over it that the NFL does. And that's concussions and that's CTE. And that's, you know, that's the thing that's trickled down to the youth leagues as well that's affected parents in terms of the way that they feel about football generally. Um, I don't know how much that's played into the ratings drop that the NFL's had, but clearly it's, it's a topic that has dominated the headlines with the NFL over the past few years. The handling of the situation by um, the NFL offices was not the best. I think it's pretty safe to say that. And so the NFL has this situation hanging over its head. And it's, it's an issue that you know plays into the people's enjoyment of the game now, too, because the NFL has had to you know, impose these rule changes. And the rule changes, you know, for a lot of fans' minds, make the game less interesting because you don't have as many of the big hits that drew people to the game in the first place because the NFL is legislated against those. And there's a lot of fans who think that the NFL has gone too far in that regard. So, again, you have the fans at odds with the sport, at odds with the league, when the league really has no choice at this point but to start to legislate against some of those hits. The NBA doesn't have that issue. Like the, and, and the other thing about it, too, is if you go down to the youth leagues, I mean, the NBA, you know, is based on, you know, is a sport in basketball that is simply just it's cheaper. Right. It's, yeah. Then it's, than, it's than, the most accessible sport. It's 10 kids and a basketball and two hoops and that's it. Right. And so, you know, those two things together, I think, play into this idea of uh, of the NBA becoming more attractive, you know, to parents also. Yeah. And and so that and that that, you know, where they endorse it a little bit more than they used to, as opposed to the NFL, which may be going the other direction. Yeah. And I think that it's a massive problem. And I think and and you kind of mentioned the the big hit thing. I think it kind of like the politics issue. This is very much an issue that's dividing on both sides of the audience. Right. So on one side, you have the people that loved jacked up on Monday Night Countdown that are here for violence, that think the game has gotten too soft. You you see, frankly, the former player lobby complaining about this. You know, where can you hit anybody? You can't hit the knees. You can't hit the head. What are we even doing here? The game isn't violent enough and then you have me the snowflake that goes to a game and sees you know just routine hits I remember I went to the University of Miami uh, college football game against Bethune Cookman it was the opening game of the season and it was just a routine hit I think it was a, a player was you know diving for the goal line and another player hit him to stop him and I was at the game and the sound that their helmets crashing together made like it made me wince and turn away from the television and I feel like I can't be the only one that's watching routine hits hits that are a part of football happen in a game and and want to turn away from their television because you now realize what's actually happening there what you're, what you're watching is brain disease and so it doesn't create that positive feeling. It doesn't create that, oh, I'm enjoying this. There there are inherent negatives in watching the NFL and the feelings it creates in their viewers. And in the long run, whether that's because there isn't enough violence or there's too much violence, in the end, you're not creating those positive associations. And I think that's the NFL's biggest problem right now is that there just isn't enough joy 
happening in the game because they're trying to mute touchdown celebrations. There is almost like a feeling of guilt in watching football because you know you now know there's scientific proof that its participants are being harmed by participating in this game. And I just don't know if I turn on the TV on a Sunday and I have that same level of enthusiasm for the NFL red zone music rolling and the countdown clock going from two minutes to zero because they're going to open up with a quad box showing me all the games that are going on across the country. I just don't have that same level of enthusiasm for the game anymore. And whether it's, you know, it's this issue or an amalgam of all the issues that we've talked about. Either way, it's eroding my level of joy when it comes to this sport. All right, well, if you want to follow future episodes of our podcast, make sure to hit the subscribe button if you're on iTunes or on Stitcher. We'll be coming back to you with a couple more episodes later this week. I think we're actually going to tackle an NFL topic, uh, get into some of the quarterbacks that are available this offseason and where they might end up. We're going to have a special guest on that podcast, so be sure to subscribe, download, and also comment and suggest topics. We certainly take those into account. Thank you for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.